Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod and continue to please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting network. And while you're at it, uh, text a buddy the link to the show, please uh, help us grow the base. That's just the easiest way to do it. Uh, text, text a friend, tell them what you found. Um, see if they enjoy it as well. But also while you're there, give us a rating and a review if you don't mind. Um, it really helps us out. It helps us grow. And that's what it's all about is reaching as many herd fans as we possibly can and bringing the content to them um, like you enjoy. So help us get the word out. Uh, big week this week. Uh, some huge, huge announcements in what has turned into be a quick turnaround week for Russ and myself. We got a lot to cover. A very, very intriguing five things. And the series of position group breakdowns actually starts last week, or last episode. It was the uh, coaching staff, and this week we're actually going to start talking about the football position groups, and we're going to kick things off in stellar fashion with the running backs. But before we get into all that, let's get a quick word from our sponsors, 304carrec.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, it's only been a handful of days since we put out that massively epic three-hour opus of a podcast. but uh, three-hour tour. <laughs> it's been well-received. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You know, that, that this is how I, I was envisioning the scenario. We're like, okay, you put out this three-hour episode, and you're like, holy crap, man. I hope people actually listen to that. And then I thought, you know what? They're going to wrap up with that about the time we're going to be putting this one out. So <laughs> it could work out pretty good. So – a fairly quick turnaround. Uh, I thought maybe, but that we might struggle with finding some uh, some of the things, some five things. But nope. Um, no, no, we actually, did not. I mean, literally the day after we put the show out, man, was there a huge uh, announcement. So, Russ, uh, give me five things. Everything needs every herd fan needs to know this week. All right, five things every herd fan needs to know. As always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, we've been talking about it for a long time, the baseball stadium announcement that we had been alluding to dropped. Dropped. Thoughts? And in, in a big way did it drop. Uh, there's, there's a lot we're going to talk about with this, but the, the thing that I want to get across, I guess, um, is A, how exciting is that? Uh, B, we, we've been talking about some logistical things about location. So not everything was a surprise, but I'll tell you what the big surprise for me was. 15 months duration for the build. That's their, yeah. that's their projection. That to me is really, really exciting. Um, just in going back and listening to our episode last week, 
you alluded to it being maybe a two or three year thing. You know, we were just speculating, just talking about it. And and the point Mm -hmm. we were making was that it wasn't going to get made or going to get built this year. So everybody's Mm going to kind of chill for a minute, but to get that 15 month timeline, holy crap. If that doesn't get your gears churning, um, check your pulse because that's exciting. Absolutely is. And it can be done. What they can't do is put it out for a drawing and this and that and say, okay, here's kind of what we're thinking. And here's the plans. Here's the design of the field and the drainage and all that. Then it go out to bid. Then it come back. So what do you do? You kind of like combine several of these steps and you find someone that is ready to go with the design that they already have a lot of the stuff is going to be just plug and play from where they had it over on fifth avenue you know the design part maybe they need to modify some things maybe they can take advantage of a couple of things because of the new location versus where it was going to be but a lot of this process has already happened um but they will work hand in hand with someone that is ready to go uh, i think they said around october uh, over the next couple of months, they will be finding that ideal contractor that is ready to do this. Someone that specializes in this sort of thing, I imagine, you know, that already has subs underneath them that they are familiar with, subcontractors. Um, 2024 season, first pitch. And I mean, that's that's got them get the blood pumping. I know it, it got me excited when I just uh, <clears throat> saw the announcement. And I thought, okay, you know, for, and I, I'm not, I'm not trying to play. I told you so here, especially not with you, not, not with you, but you know, those folks that keep saying, well, I believe it when I see it. Well, I, I, right. I, we've been told that before. And there are still some of people since the announcement has been made that are taking that aspect. And I really wish they wouldn't. I wish they would believe that it has never been this close. It has never been. I know there have been things decades ago, years ago, things have been announced, stuff like that. You have not seen the stuff that we are talking about right here where the land is available. It's not just, hey, you know, we got an idea that we'd like to put it here. All of this stuff has been being worked on for the last several months, and we've been telling you about it. And again, I'm not trying to play I told you so, but our early episodes said, you know, around two months, you should hear an announcement and there will be an announcement. We've been telling you it's on. 22nd street adjacent to the dot, you know, behind the dot, you know, we've been telling you where it's moved and this sort of thing. And it's not like we had some kind of secret information. The information was out there really. If you, if you knew it just, they weren't going to make a series of small announcements before they had all their ducks in a row. And that's why this is different. There, there has been no missteps. There have been, with this particular thing, since it got moved over to there and Christian Spears came on board and the city of Huntington doing their thing, everyone has been working in concert for this moment. And they, they waited, they made the announcement after the board of governors uh, met and approved everything and we're a go. So you, you do all these things. And if you're still on the fence and then you hear them say, look, 15 months from now, they've put their own feet to the fire. Right. You can Mm -hmm. you can miss that deadline. I get that. And it it may run long by a handful of months, but we're not talking about running long for like 10 years. You've held your feet to the fire now. You've got a deadline that you hope to meet. 
And we, you're right. We've never been this close before. We've always had, there's an announcement of a baseball stadium. We want to build a baseball stadium. We're going to build us a baseball stadium, but to say all those things and then have the land come available and and you obtain it, have uh, plans and things in place for a a potential rendering that probably has to be tweaked a little bit, but still it exists. It's Mm -hmm. there. Right. And then to come out even further and say, 15 months from now, we, we want to be playing our home, uh, our first home games in this stadium. It's yeah, never, the, it's never been this close. Never. The closest was uh, again, uh, just in 2019 when we had all this. And I feel like, I feel like maybe we got a little bit fortunate as bad as the pandemic and all the delays and how it impacted everybody. The, time that it allowed everybody to move that stadium over to the more ideal location that we have discussed and why it's more ideal. I think it is very fortunate. I think everything worked out great. I, I just love everything about what we're getting right now and kind of that pushing forward uh, created more feet to the fire because of the 2024 deadline with the, the money from the city of Huntington I feel like that has all fallen into place to create this perfect storm of here it is. Yeah, here it is. I mean, get yeah. get behind it. Why why do you want to be one of those folks? You know, we as herd fans, we've all been burned to a certain degree about the promise of a baseball stadium, right? Oh yeah, so yeah. You, Players you, especially. Uh, especially. And my heart goes out to those guys that however many of them have been promised you're going to be playing on your own field by the time you graduate. And it has never happened. Right. Mm -hmm. But to a certain degree, a lot of herd fans have been burned over the promise of a baseball stadium. And now here it is. So I understand how it's really easy to continue with the, I'll believe it when I see it type thing, but I, I would just prefer to be a impactful uh, player in this game and do what I can to help it along. And yep. uh, I, I would rather not be gun shy. I would rather be a first mover and say, all right, now's the time we finally get it done. And uh, that's what leads into the next thing. So let's, let's transition into the next thing that you got here. I will right after this, I've got two things. And okay. then if you, if you want to spitball off of what I say, you know, feel free. Cause this is a huge announcement. We've been waiting months on it. I have a couple of ideas. Oh, okay. Anyone that is listening that is able to help with these ideas, if um, anyone from Marshall, the Big Green, um, the AD himself, Christian Spears, maybe this is already there. I just want to put it out here as, as something in case it's not. Every single player that has ever played at Marshall that is still alive, send them an invite. I don't care if you have to create a little fund or whatever to help with travel to get some people in, get them here for the opening game. I think it would be so beneficial to say, Hey, in the past, you guys were promised this. We want you to be a part of it. Come in. Uh, I would, I would love to see them there. I would give a huge standing ovation to all the the players that have ever played uh, for what it would mean that this is finally here. And I, I think kind of that's a no brainer. Uh, but just in case that has not been discussed, I want to throw it out there for any listening ears that uh, I think that would be a good move. Yeah. And I, I would I would I would throw in money on a uh, on a travel fund. I would I would donate to a special fund 
if it meant allowing some folks to to get here for that. I think that's a fabulous, fabulous idea. We've talked on other fronts about some mending with uh, the fan base over decisions from the previous administration. And uh, this is not necessarily one of those mending situations, but I feel like it's a way to just bring back an entire alumni base and get them excited about your future again, especially yeah. moving into the league that you're going into. And then if you have them here back at home for a, a dedication ceremony, I think that would be gangbusters, man. That would be awesome. Second idea that I have, sell the season tickets early. I'll jump on board, use that money, you know, throw that toward the, the stadium. If you need to get more money raised or whatever, uh, the worst case scenario is some of your first year's ticket revenue will have already been spent on the stadium. I still don't think that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever it takes, you know, I just think that those are two good ideas. Of course, I think they're good because I came up with them, but I, <laughs> I do think that those are two reasonable ideas that they should consider uh, because heck man, I am so excited. I cannot wait. And I've talked to several people that they cannot wait to take in a game yeah. in Huntington in a nice new stadium. Well, I mean, how many of us are baseball fanatics, man? Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, I just cannot wait. I want to hold Any off on responding to that point until we start talking about this next one, because I think that's an excellent idea too. All right. Well, I'm ready to start on that. Number two. <laughs> okay, okay. Number two, the herd rises campaign along with this announcement with the baseball uh, stadium, they immediately threw out the herdrises.com website address, and it has a phenomenal fundraising opportunity here. The graciousness of Chris and Melissa Lambert to match up to the first $50,000. It originally was going to be the first day. They then said, hey, you know what? We didn't hit the 50,000, so we'll extend it through the weekend. Mm -hmm. You guys keep donating whatever you want. As of right now, we are at, let me hit refresh as we are recording, $35,694.73. They are going to match that plus whatever comes in the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Um, what, first of all, what an extremely generous gesture um, from the Lambert family. Second of all, take this opportunity. I made the video the, uh, yesterday because, you know, back when it was just for Friday, you know, the, yeah. mat, the match for just Friday. But Killer listen, shades, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> got some compliments on the shade and the pond in the background. I see you, I see yeah. you Travis. <laughs> Travis asking <laughs> if he can fish in the pond. <laughs> um, but no, what, a, what an incredibly generous gesture by the Lambert family. And second of all, I said this in that video, and I, this is what you need to think about. Far too often people are like, well, my money isn't going to mean anything. What, what's 10 bucks? Well, 10 bucks in, for this weekend is 20 bucks. First of mm -hmm. all, that's point number one. And second of all, if enough of you go, you know what? Our 20 collective dollars really makes a difference. So mm -hmm. no, I can't write you a check for 10 grand, but I can make a hundred dollar donation. And if, you know, a thousand of us do that, that's quite a bit of money, you know? It is. So 
that's what it means to come together as a fan base, right? We, we take little chips and little swings out of this big sum and then we whittle it down to where it's manageable, right? To where it, we've made an impact. So to take the stance that your money's not going to matter or, you know, all I can give is 10 bucks. Don't, don't look at it that way. No, there's no, no one judging here. You know, Mm-mm. give what you can. This is just like joining the big green, give what you can. And the herd, the herd will be ecstatic over that. Okay. Um, I'm never shy about saying I can't cut you a thousand dollar check. I'm not going to be able to do that. You know, I'm a regular dude with a regular job with bills, just like everybody else. I'm not going to be able to cut you a thousand dollar check at every project that comes along, but I will find some money in my budget somewhere, some total that I can afford at that particular time to make a difference. And however big or small that difference may be perceived by others is irrelevant because I feel like I've done my part. I feel like I'm helping. And that's Mm -hmm. all that, that Marshall is asking you to do. That's all that the big green is asking you to do. And Mr. Spears and everybody else that's involved, like play a small part, play a large part, but play a part in getting this thing done. Right. Don't be the reason the deadline doesn't get made. Be the reason that the deadline gets met. That's what we're after here. Yeah. And how many people have said, I'm not going to do this until this, or I'm not going to, I'll believe it when I see it and that sort of thing. Well, it's here now. And we're talking real timeline, real money. Give 10 bucks, man. It's $10. Yep. Give $5. I don't care. It it all matters. Like you said, crowdfunding in the tweet, you know, you responded to my tweet and said the beauty of crowdfunding. And that is so true, man. We have so many people across the country. Everybody throws in 10 bucks. I said, if 500 of us do it, you know, that's five grand this weekend, that's automatically 10 grand. Yep. You know, um, we, as the Thundercast, threw in some money. We donated ourselves. We, uh, we've been talking about it and exactly what you said. We are putting our money where our mouth has been that mm-hmm. we've been telling everybody this is coming and we're, we're supportive of this and we financially supported it. Yeah. Uh, we, we did not write a $5,000 check, but again, if all of us take that mindset, like you're talking, throw in some money, we're going to have some real dollars this weekend already. You're looking at, we're going to have 70 some thousand dollars since what was that? Was that Friday morning? Yeah. This one? Just yesterday. Yeah. Well, we're recording Saturday, by the way. That's what yeah. I'm saying yesterday. Yeah. So, and we're looking at up to and over possibly $100,000 as these continue to come in and then the Lamberts match their 50. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a, it's here. It's real. Now's the time to believe. Um, Christian Spears in a tweet when he t- retweeted this herd rises campaign said he understands that he and they, the administration need to earn your belief uh, because it has been rumored announced, AKA everything up until this point in previous administrations, previous decades, it's always been on the table, but now this is tangible. It's here. Mm-hmm. So please believe, please throw in small amounts of money, whatever it's going to help make this go a long way. Yeah, sure is. I mean, it, it, for everybody that doesn't take part, you know, it just, it doesn't lower our chances of this getting completed in time. Uh, but it just, 
it, it makes it easier if there's extra funds available that, you know, it, 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 everything's easier with more money. I mean, huh, yeah. that's, that's the, the way of the world. Uh, but for me, just on a personal level, it's just easier to, um, you know, believe than, than be a mm-hmm. naysayer. I, ch- I choose to believe rather than be a naysayer. Right. And uh, a couple of things I want to talk about. I love the idea about the uh, selling season tickets early. I think that's a gangbusters idea too. Um, maybe we'll see that after this initial, you know, weekend of fundraising, uh, just something to, or, or maybe in a couple of months, just to, you know, re-energize that giving, uh, spirit. Yeah, they could do it. Know? I, I would wait until next year. If we're yeah. not going to have in the 2023 season, we're not going to have uh, a field ready to start that season. Just say, Hey, grab, grab them one year early. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and there's more money going into this herd rises campaign by selling those, uh, those tickets up front. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fabulous idea. The other thing that I saw, and I'm absolutely not taking credit for this, and it may have been said several times by several different people, but where I saw it was from our buddies, uh, on the, at the, uh, Barstool Marshall account. They said that, you know, maybe you guys ought to think about selling bricks, you know what I mean? So that you can, Mm -hmm. so that people can actually say, Hey, there's my brick. I donated to this stadium. I think that's a great idea too. Maybe that's something that they will explore down the road, but, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of bricks involved in that thing, man. You know, so there will. to get a little bit of extra money out of folks, shoot, that's a great idea. I mean, they have those engraved bricks, you know, in the front of the stadium, off to the side there. And I think that's a, I think that's a gangbusters idea as well. That's something that could raise some extra money, and it gives people something to look for. It's something that they can go back year after year after year and say, "Look, I did that." You know, I mm-hmm. show your grandkids <laughs> forty years or whatever. You know what I mean? Say, look. That's that's my brick. I helped build this place. So those two great ideas. Um, of course, I'm, I'm sure there are many, many, many other ideas that are going to be explored over the course of the next 12 to 15 months. But those two in particular are really good. Where are we Thank heading you. to next? Well, we're heading to Notre Dame via the Cincy Northern Kentucky Big Green chapter. If there's enough uh, interest. They are putting together a bus package that would leave out of Cincinnati and return that same day. And here's the details of it. They would plan to leave around 8:30 AM in Cincinnati and they would probably get home. They're thinking around 11 PM kickoff of course is at two 30 uh, at the time they are thinking that it would be between $80 to hundred dollars for each person but it would be dependent on the number of people that would go. Mm-hmm. They feel like at a max, it would cost you a hundred dollars with the getting the bare minimum. The deal is they need to have this info. They have a survey on their Facebook page. Um, if you just Google Marshall university dash Cincy heard or not Google search for it on Facebook, Google should take you there as well. If you put in Facebook on the, on the search, but On their page, it's the very top post right now. They have a a Google Doc there for a survey. They need this by July the 1st. If you're interested, if you're in that area, or if you feel like, hey, you know what? I don't really want to go up there and try to get a hotel spot or try to get parking and all of that stuff, but you live within a couple hours of Cincinnati, maybe you want to go up there. 
get on a bus, go up there to Notre Dame, return to Cincinnati, get a hotel room there where it's much cheaper. Drive on home the two hours, it's two and a half hours for me. So this is a good deal for anybody, but you've got to act quick. There's no money commitment right now. They just have to have that survey completed and turned in by July the 1st. And then if it is good enough to go through, July 15th would be the deadline that they would tell you how much it would be and they would need to collect your money. Yeah, uh, that's a good idea. It, I find it to be um, an excellent value because just driving a round trip from where you are is going to be fairly expensive anyway. Um, mm -hmm. And then you have to take into account how much is it going to cost you to park once you mm -hmm. get there in and around the area. I can't imagine you're going to get a parking spot anywhere for less than 20 bucks, probably more than that. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you, you have to worry about actually driving and, and what could happen along the way, right? Uh, this way, you, you take the trip, if you're in the Huntington area, for example, you take the quick trip to Cincinnati, throw your money down, sit back and relax for the bus ride down and back. And I like what you're saying, man. You get a hotel room up there potentially and just hang out for the night and then uh, come back the next day or you just drive home. Uh, it seems like of the two, the less, uh, the more chill route would be to take the bus, the bus trip, right? Yeah. Um, also, without stepping on their toes, I think this is absolutely something that should be uh, looked at leaving out of Huntington as well. <laughs> they should yeah. absolutely have a bus trip if they don't have one already. Probably slightly more expensive due to the longer route that it would be. And of course it would have to leave earlier and you would get back later. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, I'm, I'm not uh, Ferdinand Magellan, but I'm pretty good at logistics. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, if it's two and a half hours to Cincinnati, we're adding five hours to that trip, you know? Yeah. So um, it would be something that I would be interested in from Huntington. I'm looking forward right now to driving up there myself, but having just driven to and from Chicago, which is pretty similar um yeah maybe a bus and being able to relax take a nap talk to some fellow herd fans share a beverage eat a sandwich that sort of thing it's not a bad idea yeah it's not a bad idea it's a pretty convenient idea so uh good good uh good idea there by the uh the big green chapter out of the cincinnati northern kentucky all right number four interviews are currently ongoing for assistant athletic director for media relations this is a retooling of the title um, probably not a ton of retooling of the responsibilities but this is uh, to replace uh, recently departed jason corer uh, in the sports information department yeah, so SID office. That's what I was going to say. This is the new title of what you would have officially known as the sports and information sports information director, right? So, yeah. and we knew that there was going to be somebody that had to come in and fill those shoes. And um, there's been a little bit of clamoring for like, who's it going to be? Because you know, there's it, it, not that there's a bottleneck of information, but we're getting a lot of information coming out right now, and and being short staffed just sucks <laughs> no matter what you're doing. So I can't imagine yeah, so being... many other different people have had to step in. Yes. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine with all the announcements that are coming out of uh, herd athletics right now and everything that's surrounding with the moves to the com to the Sunbelt conference and all these, uh, you know, capital investments that were being announced and all these projects that are moving and just everything that's going on. Oh, also having your sports information director chair empty and the responsibilities being 
laid out upon several other folks, it's just not ideal. So I'm sure there are a few people in particular that are like, okay, the end is near. Let's get somebody in here to help lighten the load. Yeah. And since these are uh, these interviews, uh, they're in the interviewing process right now. Um, I think that by the time we record next week's show, we may be even able to say, hey, in case you missed it, here was the announced person that was hired. Uh, it would definitely, I feel like, be within the next two weeks cool. that you should you should hear something on that. Well, well that kind of coincides with a very important date since uh, next week is July 1st and we know all what's happening there. So it's, I'm sure it would be nice to have somebody in the office by then potentially to uh, field the inevitable wave of media requests and news that's going to have to come out of the uh the administrative offices regarding the move to the sunbelt officially 100 percent, man 100 percent. and uh i don't think that i'm stealing any thunder here but uh we should be uh seeing some really good stuff i i don't know if you've noticed well i know you've noticed because we talked about it but i don't know if our listeners have noticed but we have had a recent string of some amazing videos coming out of the athletics department. And uh, a little birdie told me to expect a, uh, a pretty cool welcome to the Sun Belt kind of video, mm-hmm. uh, the Sun Belt era. And uh, I'm pretty pumped for that. And that uh, I feel like will come out, you know, on day one, July 1st, Yeah, which, uh, which is coming up. Yeah, I mean, that's the way we consume, right? Media nowadays, it's podcasts and videos and things like that. I mean, still, there are a lot of people that like to sit down and read a good printed article. Um, there's nothing quite like the, uh, the it's crazy to call it the vintage feeling, but the vintage feeling of flipping open the newspaper and shuffling the pages and doing all that kind of stuff. There's always going to be um, a sort of draw to do that, but this is the way we consume things. Now we consume things through video and in real time and, and, uh, over the airwaves like we're doing. So, you know, a, a, a top notch video department is like almost, um, I mean, it's mandatory now, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if you want to stay, uh, relevant, if you want to stay on top of the game, if you want to keep your fans engaged, dude, you got to have that. And I've, I've, I've heard a little bit about that video and I'm really excited to see it. I mean, everything they've put out, you're right, has been really great. Home Um, runs, man. Home runs. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're not, I'm just saying in order to remain relevant, you have to do that. And we are doing that. That's what I'm saying. I think they have really elevated their game um, over the, over the past several years. You know, you, you've mentioned before all the uh, uh, herd vision, you know, how it's grown and, and all that stuff. I, I just, I'm excited about what they're doing because they continually to get, continue to get better. Yeah, they sure do. All right. Uh, number five, to finish this up, Community Cares Week was last week and Marshall Campus got some uh, spring beautification. Yeah. I saw a number of things around, uh, you know, the community care stuff and, uh, and the campus beautification, our athletes getting involved, doing a little bit of sweat equity, mm-hmm. which is something that I gave. I remember that's, that was, you know, we had to do that as undergrads. Sure. We had sweat equity day. And, uh, but the cool, you know, there were several cool stories that came out of that. And, and for me, the coolest was, you know, the football team going around with the, 
uh, hunting or with the fire marshals and installing like 60 or so ish um, smoke alarms in homes around the, the, the city. I mean, that's cool, yeah. man. That's, that's community stuff right there. That's, that's wicked cool is. stuff. So um, th this was a, this was a, a great bunch of projects, a great bunch of a uh, massive amount of involvement. And uh, you know, it, it just, it, it further drives home the point that, as much as it is about wins and losses on the field, it's also as much as it is about the community that in which um, Marshall University is and the athletes just take ownership of that. And it's great. It's just great. Let me tell you my favorite part of it was seeing different video clips and photos of President Smith spreading mulch, uh, planting flowers, watering out here getting hands, knees dirty, getting involved. Mm -hmm. If you've ever had any doubt that this man cares about Marshall University, I don't know how you could, <laughs> because I mean, everything that he does just screams, I'm going to lead by example. I'm a doer. He's not just someone that says something. He backs it up and does it. He leads by example. He was out there uh, in a t-shirt and jeans, throwing on some mulch over here on some flower beds. It was not from everything that I've seen and heard a photo op, mm -hmm. you know, it just, he, in some of them, he just happened to be in the background, you know, they were photoing other people. He just happened to be in the background. Um, also this kind of ties back to number two, he and his wife donated $10,000 to the herd rises campaign uh, Friday night. And that, in a sense, now makes it a $20,000 donation because of what the Lamberts are doing. So yeah. President Smith is a doer. He backs up what he says. He's out here leading by example. Just a one job so far. Yeah, it, that was just a great, like I said, a great amount of involvement in projects, you know, spread around the, the, the entire city and the campus. It was just, a, it was cool to see all those uh, you know, various shots of coaches and athletes and administrators out there participating in various projects. So it was very involved and it was really cool. So I'm glad to see stuff like that. It makes me feel good, right? It makes me feel like we're doing the right stuff. And that's it for uh, the five things that uh, every herd fan needs to know, as always brought to you by Ignite Link. Um, awesome five things. I mean, I, we could have talked, <laughs> we could have just made five bullet points about the announcement of the baseball stadium. And I've been fine That's with right. that, <laughs> but uh, this was a great, great five things here, but look, let's roll into the, uh, the featured segment of the week, which is the continuation. And well, I guess the beginning or continue, well, however you want to look at it, uh, position group breakdowns for football. We're going to talk about the running back unit this week. And uh, it's, it's kind of a new look unit. Once I started diving into the, uh, the numbers and everything, I was a little surprised. You know, you go over, run down the roster and you see who's here from last year, who's gone from last year, what the makeup of the roster looks like and kind of falling under the radar, but it's very eerily similar to the quarterback situation. It's a lot of youth there, man. So um, right from the outset, total number of running backs on the roster is seven. So they're going seven deep. As of now, uh, only two remain from the 2021 roster, right? And that's mm -hmm. Rasheen Ali and sophomore Ethan Payne from POCA. Everybody else is gone. Uh, incoming high school recruits, there were three in the 2022 class. Isaiah Gordon, the six foot one, 183 star back from Daytona Beach. 
Uh, Maurice Jones, a five foot nine, 185 pound three star back from Miami. And Anthony A.J. Turner, the six foot one, 190 pound three star back from Hampton, Virginia. Picked up just one from the transfer portal, of course. Kalen LeBourne, five foot 11, 205 pound sixth year senior from Virginia Beach via Florida State University. Gone from 2021, Sheldon Evans, Lawrence Papillon, Kevin Henderson, and Knowledge McDaniel. Now you're thinking, wow, four guys, that's probably a fair amount of production. I'm going to say yes and no, right? Because the the lion's share of that uh, production came from Sheldon Evans and Knowledge McDaniel, but combined, all four of those guys, 410 rushing yards and six touchdowns, right? When you think about Rasheen Ali having 1,400 yards himself, you think, yeah, there was a little bit of loss in production there, but you would expect that between LeBourne and Payne and the rest of the guys on the roster, however that you know latter three rotation shakes out, will account for at least 410 yards and, uh, and a handful of touchdowns. So a little, you know, little yin and yang there, uh, four out and like four in. And then, I don't know, but, but it was surprising to me at the outset, just to return. I have a question that I don't know if you can answer or not, um, but I'm, I'm curious about the uh, status there of Demarcus McElroy, uh, who is also listed as a freshman, not a redshirt freshman. Was he in this recruiting class that came in? I know you said three and you named them. Right. So I couldn't find him anywhere on like the 24-7 commitments list. Um, I, w- I even went back and checked you know, like the Twitter search. So if I'm wrong, then my apologies, but I'm, I'm saying this just because I couldn't find it anywhere. Okay. I'm going to, I watched video on him and I did see where he signed and announced, but I'm not, I'm not sure what class. Well, it would have been in this class, but what I'm saying is perhaps he signed to be a preferred walk-on type thing uh, because I couldn't find a, you know, like a, like a commitment announcement. It wasn't falling into a commitments list anywhere. So that's what I'm going to chalk that up as again, if I'm wrong, I just couldn't find it. And I looked, long and hard to find it. And I just couldn't. Well, I, so. I was hoping that you would know a little more than me. It sounds like we're on about the same page. Yeah. I, uh, a couple of them did enroll in the spring, uh, you know, but he was not one of those that I saw. Yeah. Uh, I didn't find it, you know, it wasn't in the transfer portal type thing. I mean, that's, those aren't a hundred percent accurate, but you know, they do give you a good indication of where things are going and how things are moving, but still, um, it was surprising to only see two running backs returning from 2021 as excited as we have all been um, about this unit. And, you know, rightfully so. I mean, you're going to get excited about a returning 1400 yard back that leads the nation in total touchdowns and is tied for third in rushing touchdown. You're going to get excited about that. So, but just to see two of them return was, was kind of wild. Phil still our, resident guru not that he's in the studio with us or anything but a guy that i trust a whole whole lot as far as as the way (laughs) as far as he does things and and his rankings and stuff gave a national ranking to the herd running back unit they're ranking 43rd nationally and anytime you can crack phil stills national rankings you've got a pretty good unit here's the Mm -hmm. kicker here's the kicker uh of the even though they're ranked 43rd nationally that's he also ranks them fifth in the Sun Belt. So that means there are four other programs, according to his rankings, that rank higher than 43rd in the country. That is wild to me. Yeah. But I see why. When you think about, oh, there are only two returning backs and, you know, the, the uh, 
the second returning back only had like 89 yards rushing on the season. I get it. I understand. Yeah, those uh, those others, and I'll just throw one out there, App State, they had two returners that were both heavy production uh, production guys last year. So that kind of gives them a leg up on returning status or whatever. Yeah, they do. I mean, uh, Nate Noel it led the Sun Belt in rushing last year, and Cameron Peoples is a dangerous rusher. In, in his own right for App State. So they really have a formidable one-two punch. We saw it last year. We saw it uh-huh. in that game last year. Those guys were really, really instrumental in uh, getting App State that tight win. But still, nonetheless, I'm given that these rankings are highly, highly uh, stacked against the fact that we don't have any returning production outside of Ali. Nothing against yeah. Ethan Payne, but 89 yards is not even a blip on the radar, right? He That's could play right. a he could play a much larger role in the offense this year, but given what he did last year, it just it just isn't there. He was buried yeah. on the depth chart a little bit last year behind Evans and and some other guys, so uh, he could easily play a larger role, and I expect that he will play a larger role in the rotation of running backs this year. Projected starters, I don't think it's, this is going to be like any um, unsolved mystery here or any any great crime that we have to crack. Running back one, who's it going to be? It's got to be Rasheen Ali. Uh, all he did was rush for 1,401 yards and 23 rushing touchdowns last year, good for 5.6 yards per carry. I mean, hello, you never see a third down uh, according to those averages. So he's without a doubt your running back one. And, and to add a little bit of a star at the end of that stat line, Phil still ranks him as a sophomore, as a sophomore, his number 11 draft eligible running back in this potential class. And I know that's not something that we're used to thinking of anymore. Like, holy crap, man, he could like, he's that good. He may not be here next year. You know, we don't want to think about that. We want to see him rack up five, 6,000 rushing yards, you know, and, and potentially walk out of Huntington, West Virginia as the program's all-time leading rusher. The herd fan in me wants to see that. Right. But that's just mm-hmm. not always the world we live in anymore. Um, running back two, I mean, are we going to speculate or are we just going to go ahead and say, yeah, I think it's going to be Kalen DeBoer, the former five-star runner from Florida State. He hasn't played really uh, since 2019, but the talent was there. You know, and we've seen it how many times you get a fresh start, a breath of fresh air at a new place, and you come in and tear it up. We've seen it over yeah. and over here at Marshall. So um, what do you think about these two guys? safely say you're running back one and two, right? Would you agree? Yes. Okay. Um, what do you think these two guys as a tandem, let's say they play the line share of the season. They both go healthy most of the year, if not all the year. What do you think about these two guys as a tandem, as they rank um, in the Sun Belt, um, or maybe just in what could potentially be all-time great tandems in for the herd in herd history? Yeah, uh, immediately one of the top tandems that I uh, am reminded of is uh, uh, Doug Chapman and uh, Olandis Gary. Am I am I thinking that correct? That I mean, the, the for two? me, when I'm thinking about Doug Chapman, I think of Doug Chapman and Low Turner. Those guys were phenomenal. No, it was Low Turner. That th- those were the two. That Olandis Gary was before that. It was uh, those two were the uh, two one thousand yard runners. Uh, you're right. I, I goofed on that. Um, I think that that stat could be duplicated this year mm-hmm. and it would only be dependent on two things, uh, injury free, uh, for both of these two men and 
time, you know, just enough carries between the two of them to be able to do that. Um, but I find both of them to be eerily similar in their cutting, in their acceleration, their versatility with catching the ball out of the backfield, uh, finding those holes to make those cuts. I see in my video, and again, it's more limited uh, of LeBourne than what I saw with my own eyes, plus every bit of film that we have with Ali. Ali seems to make those cuts slightly quicker and accelerate out of those cuts slightly quicker. That's why I think he's still the number one. Plus, you just don't come in and say, hey, thanks for everything you did last year, and now you're number two on the death chart. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, I mean, he, he blew out of the spring and and grabbed the hold of the of the uh, RB1 slot. And, you know, everybody at the beginning of, of last season in the spring was thinking, all right, this will be the Sheldon Evans show. He's earned it. He's yeah. been here. We know what we have. And, you know, we had our buddy Tom Bragg on the show doing spring ball wrap-up over, you know, in 2021 spring. And he was like, ah, you guys better pay attention to this Rasheen Ali guy because he's pretty daggone good. And, boy, was he right. So, you're right. You don't just say, well, you know, thanks for the memories, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Nah. Uh, I think, you know, to put it in a more recent perspective, you know, because we're speaking to a newer era of fan as well, right? So not a lot of these uh, current students, if any, really will know the names Doug Chapman and Low Turner as a tandem, right? You may have heard of Doug Chapman. He's on staff now, and he, everybody kind of knows he's an all-time great back. Um, Low Turner, for, the, for as great as he was, goes you know, far less recognized by the casual fan, and especially the younger fan. But, man, he was a good one, and Doug will be the first to tell you that too. So to put it in perspective for a newer era, of uh, running back tandems we don't have to go that much farther back Let, let's just talk about like tyler king and brendan knox they were a great tandem right that's yeah. that that's three four or five years ago and you start looking at film of those guys you think man both those guys were really dangerous and they were and they were a great tandem of running backs so if laborn has even a halfway decent season and rasheen ali has the season that he's capable of having. I don't think he has to go out and rush for 1,400 yards for Marshall to be successful. No. But if he's a 1,000-yard rusher, if LeBourne can make up for this 410 yards lost, if he can be a five 600-yard rusher, man, I think Marshall can be seriously successful, seriously successful. Yeah, and I think uh, with them being so similar, uh, it's not like, again, you're putting in a, uh, a power back and an elusive back. You're putting both in the same – kind of mold uh that there's no change of pace but what you get is when one go guy goes out to rest you know he's been in for two or three different uh, possessions in a row and then you put the other guy in and he's fresh and he's running against guys that have been just beat up by ali or vice versa yeah you know i think there's some dangerous dangerous weapons there that we're going to have it, it, when you think about it, even on a, on a micro level, like let's just say one of these guys rips off a huge run, right? And he just needs to come out for a play. Just He's out of breath. Yeah. So yeah. you put in the other guy and oh, but the defense just got done chasing this dude down the field. So now you've got fresh legs on back-to-back -back plays that uh, are equally elusive, powerful, and able to get to the end zone in a hurry. You start to see how, wow, this can really be a big advantage, a real big advantage. And let's not and forget. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, we have a brand new offensive coordinator. Yep. I'm going to throw this big old speculation hat on. <laughs> I, I do it. I do it a lot, but I think that we may see some uh, 
uh, LeBourne and Ali in the same backfield pro style sets. Um, occasionally, not as a, you know, often type deal, 75% of the game type deal, maybe not even in every game type deal. But I think a couple of times this season, we'll probably see some two back sets with both of them in. And I think at that point, you're looking at, I mean, one catching out of the backfield with the other one, you know, running, you know, just possibilities are endless. I think that we should actually see that every single game for the simple fact that Rasheen Ali was like the second leading receiver for the herd last year. So it doesn't mean that you're going to fall into a run play. It's just a different basic formation to have an extra receiver on the field in the in the form of a running back, you know? So the, the, the wrinkles that can be introduced with the talent of level of guys that we have there at this RB one and potential RB two spot are really endless. And when you start getting creative minds like Clint Trickett and Bill leg, uh, you know, putting their heads together and figuring out, man, how can we mismatch these dudes? It, it can be pretty exciting. You know, you might see some real creativity here that uh, we haven't seen in a couple of years. So I'm pretty excited about that. But then you toss in the uh, sophomore Ethan Payne, uh, six foot one, 216 pounder, a little bit more of a power guy. Uh, he had 20, just 20 carries last year for 89 yards, a couple of touchdowns, but he was still racking up four, four and a half yards a carry. So even yeah. if things go a little awry, you still don't lose much from a production standpoint in terms of yards per carry. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, the sample size is pretty small, 20 carries. But still, uh, highly touted recruit, big-time West Virginia high school football player. Love the way the guy plays ball. He's downhill runner. He's going to run through you. Uh, and, and he's not just going to try to out-finesse you. He's going to make you get him down. And I don't know a football fan in the world that this doesn't like a hard-nosed running back running yeah. through, you know, taking a linebacker on head-on or, you know, bearing down on a safety that thinks he's going to make this play. Um, so I, I like the top three really well. Experienced guys, uh, you know, two of the three have played a lot of uh, a fair amount of ball in her uniform. So you like what you have there. And then you start thinking about how the latter three or four-ish guys are going to break into the rotation. Who's going to be the guy that kind of has the – the, the season that makes the herd fan go, oh, okay, I like what this – he could be a real player next year. He's pretty yeah. exciting. You know, we saw that a couple of years ago with McDaniel. We're like, man, he's – like see him get some more carries. And uh, who's it going to be this year? I, I can't tell you because all these guys are fresh, you know, in from high school. A couple of them you mm-hmm. said were here for the spring, so they got a little bit of a leg up. But uh, I guess if you had to hold my feet to the fire, which one am I going to say? Give I don't know, Isaiah Gordon. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, when in doubt, I bet on a Florida kid, and I know we have two, uh, but, you know, I, Gordon came in a little more highly ranked in the recruiting rankings, uh, not so much so, but that it's super noticeable. But if I've got to just roll the dice on one, I'll take Isaiah Gordon. A little bit taller, six-foot-one guy, 180 pounds, you know, Daytona Beach, Mainland High School. Uh, off the top of your head, this is a weird trivia fact that I just happen to know. Who is uh, – one of the most famous alums from Mainland High School. Do you know? I do. I don't. Vince Carter. Um, he Mainland High School, pretty cool, man. It's right down there beside Daytona International Speedway. It's a huge high school. It's pretty cool. But anyway, um, we'll have to see how it goes after RB3. What do, what do you got on that? Well, uh, I just want to talk about Isaiah Gordon real quick and then uh, talk about Maurice Jones. Uh, listen to some of these things here. When you're talking about 6'1", 180 out of high school, 
for Isaiah Gordon. Perhaps, you know, he was here for the spring. You know, he's going to be here all summer. Maybe he squeezes up around 190. You know, you never know. Uh, been with BA all uh, spring and summer. He runs the 40-yard dash in 4.6 seconds and has a vertical leap of 36 inches, squats 455 pounds, and a deadlift of 425. That was coming out of high school before he got here to the strength program, and that was a six-foot-one, 180-pound running back doing that. I think you're going to see some strength and athleticism out of this guy. Uh, hopefully, he could shave off a little on that 4.6 seconds. Uh, you know, with uh, some speed and technique drills, but still, this guy is. Uh, I think you know he's going to be one of these athletic uh, all-time kind of guys here in the running back deal. Well, you know that he got he's got some athleticism because when he was coming out, he was billed as an athlete, not necessarily a running back. And then to yeah. come in as an athlete in the recruiting process and play running back. You know that those moves are there. You know that the athleticism is there. Uh, but that's where the importance of BA and, and the strength staff come in because they can really transform a body and make them into a formidable weapon. But, uh, I, I mean, he could very well be the guy that's like, oh, you know, two years from now or a year from now, you might be saying everybody needs to be paying attention to this Isaiah Gordon guy because he's, uh, he's pretty good. Any football player will tell you there's speed and then there's speed in pads, right? So exactly, and, and those are two, speed. two different things. So if he plays faster in pads, that's what you want. Like I don't care if a guy can tear it up in a forty yard dash with just shorts and a t shirt on. I don't. I mean that's cool. I, I appreciate that, but I want to see you do it with a ball in your hands and a set of shoulder pads on and a helmet. That's where you make the difference. So. so a little bit more about a different guy, Maurice Jones. I just want to throw out there that he was recruited decently heavily by both Florida State and Miami. Also FIU and Florida Atlantic because, again, he came out of Miami, Killian High School. Mm -hmm. But um, anytime that those guys have you on your radar, I feel like you're a pretty good running back. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. That's right. I mean, so we, we, talked about, we talked about Polk County producing – uh, recruits at a high level year in and year out. Dade County may eclipse that, you know. I mean, it's it's like Dade County and Broward County and then Polk County are like the biggest ones in the state of Florida. Um, so if you can go in and you can pluck recruits out from Polk, Dade, and Broward, you can build one hell of a football team. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, on that note, let's talk about some, I want to get some thoughts from you, right? Just we're going to do this in every position group we do. We're going to talk about some of the strengths, some of the, uh, some of your, some of what you see as strengths by the unit, the concerns, and then some general questions we'll talk about. So what do you see as an overall strength or a couple of strengths of this position group as a whole? I actually see depth as a strength, even though we only returned two people that had carries from last year's roster. Um, I think Payne is more than capable of carrying a lot more of a load. Uh, he only had the 20-ish carries that you mentioned, but I don't see him as, a, as an issue. Uh, he was a workhorse back in high school. Uh, he seems to be fully capable, barring any kind of an injury, to add some depth there. Kalen LeBourne 
is going to be like bringing in a 1A, 1B kind of deal with Rasheen Ali. He was a five-star, went to Florida State, got into some injury and some other issues to where he didn't play. And now this is his second chance and his last as a six-year senior before trying to go uh, hopefully to the next level. I think that those top three give us some really good depth uh, as well as these guys that we just talked about that came in. I'm not concerned about the depth, uh, the depth. So I'm going to put that as a strength. I have, you know, three, how many strengths do you have? First of all, so I can, is that the only one you wrote down? No. Okay. Uh, these are, these are all off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Uh, that was just the first one. I didn't want to like rip off three or four of them. If you only had one, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, my first strength of this group, I'm thinking about it more in terms of like when the games start playing, mm-hmm. um, they have the ability as a whole versus what we've, uh, uh, because of what we've seen and how we know Rasheen Ali can play and what we're speculating that these other guys can do. Um, I think they just have the, the ability to control a football game. If we get into that need to where we have to control a game on the ground. That to me is an extreme strength. Uh, I think it allows us some flexibility, um, you know, to play a different type of game. You know, we don't have to go out and throw the ball 50 times to be competitive. We can run the game, shorten the game, and try to get out of a game if that's what's merited. Like if that's what's going to get us a win. I see that as a massive strength with the depth that we just talked about, with the guys that we talked about, the ability to wear you down and then thrash you with the next guy. Or you talk about guys like Payne that can come in and literally run over you and just keep moving the chain, moving the chain, and extending extending a long drive while shortening the game as a whole. Uh, that's a major strength, your ability to control the game from the, running, uh, from the run game perspective. And I think we have that with these guys. Another strength that I have is you've got not one, but two at a minimum home run backs, a threat to take it to the house at any, any time, no matter what your field position is, it's always a threat for a long breakaway. Uh, even if it's not a touchdown, but to flip the field, Mm -hmm. go from your 20 to, I mean, from your opponent, yeah, from your 20 to your opponent's 20, something like that. You've got a couple of guys there in Ali and LeBourne that, um, I, I can see that being a huge strength because you can have a great running uh, tandem. You can have a great foursome that you keep rotating in there, but they can churn up some yards and get some first downs. But if they're not a threat to rip off a 50 yard run, that's not a game changer. It, to me, that is just like the X receiver that is a threat downfield at any time. You've got that we're going to stretch the field type mentality and that weapon that is there. It's going to change how the the game is played when we're on second down on our nine. And then all of a sudden we've got a first down and we're in field goal territory already. Yeah. That was actually my second strength as well. But I I said that the excitement factor with this group is off the charts. And that's exactly what I meant when I was writing that down is that they have the ability to take any ball at any time, at any point on the field, to the house, regardless of the down and distance situation. If the ball gets put into the gut of Rasheen Ali, he's one cut away from mm-hmm. taking it the distance. And uh, we know that 
you know, that Ethan uh, <clears throat> Payne has the, has the ability to also get the ball in his gut and for at least move the chains and maybe rip off an extra uh, 10 or 12 yards at the end of that, you know, at the end of that run. Uh, he also has the ability to, to bust it loose too, but you know, to, to be able to do these things consistently is just exciting for, for your butt sitting in the stands when you know it's third and eight and it goes into the gut of running back whoever that you know that there's a great chance that they can get nine, 10 or even more uh, consistently mm -hmm. that brings your excitement level up. So I love that. I mean, that's my, that's my point too. I love that point. What else you got? Yeah. My final uh, strength that I had off the top of my head was uh, that safety valve, catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you, generally you want to have a check down, go to a wide receiver uh, that's a possession guy or a tight end or your running back and, Ali showed that he has that in spades. Not only was he that check down guy that, you know, could at least not have you lose yards or whatever. He took a lot of those and broke them and, you know, giving him the ball in the open field, he's a threat at any time. So to me, it's a huge strength to have some guys plus what we've seen out of LeBorn being able to catch out of the backfield, uh, both in the spring game and on some video I think that that is a huge strength that you don't just have a couple of burners that you hand the ball off to. You've got some extremely well-rounded uh, gentlemen back there that are a threat catching the ball. Uh, so if you're getting locked down on your X and your Y receiver, you've got those guys right over there. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, my the last strength that immediately came into my head was that I think these guys will – ultimately allow our past game and whoever QB one is to find its way early in the season. They won't be asked to go out game one and make it happen from the get go, because yeah. you know that you've got all conference caliber backs right behind you that if it's just not clicking right off the bat, we don't have to continue to take dangerous chances to make it work. We have guys that can pick up a first down and we can, okay, reset first and 10. Let's try something else. Let's see if we can get it going again. Um, that's a, that's a huge thing. Now we may come out and just be like a well-oiled machine from game one, you know, we, God willing we are, but in the, uh, on the uh, chance that we aren't and you, you take some lumps and some growing and there's communication issues and is everybody on the same page? And, you know, very rarely does all that stuff come out in game one and it's perfect. So to have the, assets right beside you in the backfield so it's like all right that drive really isn't working we're kind of stalling here we need six hard yards can we get it yeah i think we can get it pretty consistently so um allowing you know a game or two for the pass game and quarterback one to you know ease in and get get used to getting some stuff right is a is a huge asset to have and per perhaps you know the most underrated strength that i had written down here Mm -hmm. I, I agree with everything you said and uh, we had talked about that a little bit uh, when we were discussing uh, before the spring game the quarterback situation because we could have that situation where all we need is a game manager as a quarterback this year because of this ground game that we have you know you yep. get a lead and these guys aren't going to fumble and they can be reliable to keep picking up, turning those yards and everything. 
take your uh, hits when you got them. You know, you you don't have that pressure to, well, I've got to throw for 500 and, yep. and six touchdowns. That's right. You know, so that's I mean, an excellent point. We'll get to this later down in the series, but I mean, also, you know, you get, you also get that added benefit of having a, what we believe is going to be a killer defense helping you out too, but we're not yeah. going to put the cart in front of the horse. Look, uh, concerns for this position group. Literally, I only have one. And it's, I do too. And it's you funny to me. It's funny to me that my concern was your first strength because my concern is the depth behind Rashin Lali because there's so That's many un, there's so many unproven guys on the roster. That's um, fine. I hope to be proven immensely wrong, but for me the numbers aren't there. Right, the games haven't been played. The 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 experience isn't there. I just said 20, 20 carries is a, is not even a blip on the radar. Could he also be, could Payne be as consistent with 200 carries? Probably so, but I can't speculate that, you know. Sure. LeBorn hasn't played meaningful football from a production standpoint in a number of years, and we've got three to four other guys that are coming fresh out of high school. So for me, until, I'm, until I see it a little bit, that's really the only concern for me is, is, the, is the depth from a production standpoint behind Rasheen Ali. Everything else I'm good with. And I can't fault you for thinking that way. And I kind of feel like we're both correct and both wrong at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a Schrodinger's cat situation of we have not played the games yet. Yep. Um, my one is similar to we have not played the games yet. And I have not gotten to see them in game time action. Uh, my concern is blocking. You've got these guys that are extremely versatile catching running elusive power uh how many times did we see uh ali get hit spin and keep going get hit drag a couple of people break away and keep going mm -hmm. you've got power you've got speed you've got elusiveness you've got cutting you've got catching out of the backfield you've got the entire package are they going to be sufficient and good enough for a first year for us quarterback Mm -hmm. I don't care how much this is their first snap that they will ever take in a herd uniform, no matter who it is. So will they have enough blocking to help the offensive line in these passing downs and things like that? I I'm not overly concerned. It's just that I have not seen enough of it with my own eyes. So I had that as a concern. Yeah. And that's fair because let's face it. Some running backs just flat out don't like to block or they're not good at it. And yeah. you are one missed block away from catastrophe, right? So, yeah. but what I would like to think is with Coach Huff coaching running backs the way he likes to coach running backs with the track record he has, Telly Lockett being here coaching running backs the way that he coaches running backs, that's a focal point. You don't, you don't miss that detail because it's a huge detail that can change the trajectory of your season. So to me, it kind of doesn't matter if you don't like the block or you're not good at it. You're going to get good at it because it's yeah. all part of, of um, perfecting your craft, right? Sure. And the better you are at doing those things, the better the individual success you're going to see, the better team success you're going to see. And ultimately, I mean, you get to the league, you get to these combines and you get to these tryouts when you're trying, uh, trying for one spot against, you know, two dozen, three dozen other backs. If you can't block, they ain't got nothing for you. You know, they're not going to put a back in there that can't stop somebody from hitting Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Ain't, it's not going to happen. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fair concern. It surely is. But uh, I, that, that's where I default to the fact that I'm going to rely on our coaches to get that right. 
I just think they yeah. will. So, but fair yeah. point. Um, let's wrap it up here with a few questions. Who are you most excited to see out of this group in 2022? LeBorn. Okay. Uh, you want to uh, expound? Very, very briefly, because it's everything that I've already said. He's like what we have already seen Ali do. Uh, he has that elusiveness. He has those cutting abilities and things like that. But again, it's going to be like we have already talked about. While one's getting a rest, the other one's going to be out on the field doing what the other one was doing. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited mostly to see Rasheen Ali and see how he follows up with this spectacular season that we had last year or that he had last year. Uh, and I think it's going to be an, an immense benefit because he's facing by and large a whole crop of new defenses that have never seen him before outside of app state and Louisiana. Nobody else has ever lined up and tried to stop him before. So instead of facing an entire conference USA slate of defenses and defensive coordinators that have faced him and, you know, have a little bit of experience against him. There are only two teams on the schedule this year that have faced him. And uh, I think that poses an interesting type of uh, conundrum for a bunch of defensive coordinators because you can watch all the film you want, but this dude is yeah. so freaking electric. Um, he how, can. How do you can, game plan for breaking eight tackles? That's what I'm saying. How do you game plan for this type of talent? You, you think you can, and you think you might feel good about the plan you have. But just like against Appalachian State, he had a good rushing game, but he took a daggone kickoff to the house, you know? So, like, untouched. So, 98 good, yards. So, good luck, you know, trying to bottle that up on a consistent basis, especially your first time through, right? So, maybe two years from now, if he's still here and we're facing some of these same teams again, you know, maybe like, all right, we, we, we know what this kid's all about, but still, good luck. So, I'm excited to see the follow up uh, season for Rasheen Ali. Who do you think is the hardest to replace from the guys that departed last year? This is going to, I mean, I, I think that it's hardest to replace Sheldon Evans just because he was actually on the field more getting those carries and everything. Uh, you know, I would be very, very close to saying either Papillon or, or McDaniel just because of the sheer talent that they had. But the fact remains, the production was with Sheldon Evans. He was extremely versatile. Uh, we didn't lose a step a lot of times when he came in. He was on special teams. Uh, I think that it's got to be him for me. Yeah, without a doubt, it's Sheldon Evans for me, too. Aside from the production standpoint, he was the herd's second leading rusher last year. But he was like having another coach on the field. We talked uh, at length about the leadership roles that he played, even – as uh, RB2 to Brendan Knox, he was a leader uh, of that team. And, you know, you lose that kind of leadership. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody won't pick that torch up and run with it, but it does mean that a good leader in the locker room is gone from the roster. So from a production standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from an accountability standpoint, you know, a guy that other people on the roster like looked up to for those reasons. Yeah, he's the toughest to replace, without a doubt. That's That, that was probably the e easiest one for me to, to answer. Uh, who's going to be your breakout player out of this unit this year? LeBorn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, next question. Next question, right? It's not <laughs> Rashid Ali's kind of broken the hell out. There's yeah. no way he's got, he can't uh, do it again unless he goes for like two thousand yards. <laughs> not that the the others aren't talented enough to have breakout seasons. It's that I don't think that they'll have the same number of chances. Yeah, uh, that Bourne will have. Barring barring injury, I'm I'm with that too. Yeah, it's Kalen yeah. LeBorn. There's just too much going for him. Uh, motivation, uh, x amount of years in in college strength programs, and some of the best ones, honestly, you know. So, um, yeah, he's he's the breakout player for me. When it's all said and done, and the dust is settled at the end of the season, who do you think is going to be the MVP of the group? Ali, hundred percent. I think that uh, I. We, we shouldn't get caught up as fans to expect him to have the same level of production. He could have lower touchdowns than he had last year. Does not mean that he would not be our MVP. Yeah, He could have different yardage, and it could be totally different because maybe we want to save him a little bit more. You know, So I don't think we should get caught up in the stats of him totally producing the same amount that he did in 2021 but I think that he will be the MVP of the running backs and possibly be the offensive MVP uh, again for the herd. I think it's going to be Rasheen Ali as well. And for a lot of the reasons you just said, I think it would actually be unfair for Marshall fans to sit back and go, man, if he doesn't rush for at least 1,400 yards, the season's a bust because he may not have to do that. You know, we talked – how many times did we talk about the turnover bug that just kept us in bad situations – and, you know, maybe he gets the call a few more times than he otherwise should have if the passing game isn't just clicking better. So – and I love the, the, uh, the, the point you make about saving him. You know, he may be able to take less – have to take less of the load because LeBorn, because Payne are all playing so much better. And it's not all about rushing yards, right? He, yeah. he, he can catch balls out of the backfield. He might – it's things that you don't think about at, at the end of the season that in real time you're like, man, we really needed that third down. You know, that changed the game for us. That won the game for us because we converted that late third down. We were, we were able to go down the field and get the winning touchdown, or we were able to run out the clock in that tight game because we picked up that third down. And that's the type of stuff that went, that makes you a valuable player because you can make mm-hmm. those hard yards. You can get that hard score. You can be the clutch player when you need to be the clutch player. So, yeah, without a doubt, for me, at the end of the season, I think the MVP of the group will be Rasheen Ali. Uh, let's have a little fun before we get out of here. Give me a hot take or a, or a lukewarm take or something. You don't have to go too far out on a limb, but we're going to do this with all the groups. Um, give me a hot take for the running back group uh, that we can maybe go back on at the end of the season and go, wow, we were way off on that one. <laughs> Five of the seven will have a touchdown this year. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty fair hot take. Uh, five of the seven will have at least one rushing touchdown on the season. That'd be pretty good, actually. No, I didn't say rush. Oh, a touchdown. Okay. A touchdown. A touchdown. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a longer limb, and I'm going to say Rasheen Ali is going to be the leading rusher in the Sun Belt this year. Uh, 1,401 yards in 2021 was 275 yards more than the Sun Belt's leading rusher, Nate Noel, from App State last year, and 361 yards more than the Sun Belt's number two leading rusher uh, Shamari Jones from Coastal so even a dip in production would by these numbers have made him the Sun Belt's leading rusher that's my hot take for the running back room this year that's kind of lukewarm though I mean it is but we just talked about him maybe not having to have that many opportunities we did we that's true that's so true that's you know that it may not be necessitated to have that 
Let's hope for that too. Let's hope I'm wrong uh, because we score more points with less yeah. production from Ali. That that was one of my my points that it might not be needed. So <laughs> I'm with you. All right. So that was the running back uh, position group breakdown. Tons of great information. Tons of awesome analysis and insight. I mean, I love doing these, man. It gets me so jazzed up for football season. But look, uh, next week we'll have another group. I'm not exactly sure which one it is. I'll have to look at my list, but. Uh, Let's take it around the herd and get the heck uh, shorten this bad boy up. All right. Around the herd, uh, kind of brief this week. We had a short week for the Thundercast. There was a men's basketball little herd camp, and that wrapped up. And they have another little herd camp coming up July the 11th through the 14th. Cool, man. Uh, camp season is camp season. I, I love it. I love the opportunity for these little guys, the guys and girls really to get out and uh, rub shoulders with players and coaches and just, man, it's all about fan building at these things and, and, and a little skills improvement too. Yeah. A lot of good memories for the campers. Uh, for sure. We, we discussed that Caitlin, my daughter uh, went to the softball. She was talking about it this week, this weekend <laughs> to her little sister. Well, when I was at softball or when I was a volleyball kid, so <laughs> another camp, uh, we don't talk about this a lot because uh, this sport, and it is a sport here at Marshall, uh, does not do a lot of week in, week out kind of competition. Uh, but cheerleading is mm-hmm. a sport here at Marshall. They had a camp here as well. They were in the uh, Phil Klein Indoor Athletic Facility, and uh, that just wrapped up as well. I'm sorry, the, the what? The, the Phil <laughs> I said the Phil Klein, not the Chris Klein. They were not at the YMCA. I'm sorry. That's the only mistake I'll make on the Thundercast all year long. <laughs> we'll get it right next time, Booby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, softball. They also have some camps uh, coming up in July. And I wanted to talk about both um, the official softball camps that they have july the 18th and the 25th and then they'll again have those august 1st 8th 15th and 22nd that is their summer hitting clinic cost on those for all those dates are 50 dollars per session and it's for grades 7 through 12 and then they have the summer youth hitting clinic uh grades 1 through 6 that are on july 19th 26th august 2nd 9th 16th and the 23rd 50 dollars. so it's just there the next day wow so i wanted to talk about those but there is one i'm not i'm not sure if you saw this but Allie harrell is coming back uh when she gets uh done with her professional thing she has on friday july the 15th she is going to be with armani brown and they are going to host a hitting and defense camp open to any entrance ages seven and up. And it's going to be at the Ona Little League softball field in Ona, West Virginia. Cool. No, I did not see that, but that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Allie is a favorite of ours. Uh, just, I mean, the racking up of the awards should tell you what she means to everybody around here. And uh, to see her and the, I can just imagine the personality, the energy, and the enthusiasm that she is going to bring to this camp. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm pretty pretty pumped about that. As it gets closer, we're going to remind everybody about this. You know, send your neighbors, send your daughters, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I was impressed by the sheer amount of dates for 
uh, hitting camps and softball camps that there were. Uh, I wasn't expecting to see – I hadn't seen anything about the uh, the camp, uh, Allie's camp at uh, Ona Little League Park or whatever. That That's uh, that's really neat, man. Yeah, it was It was only on – the only place I've seen it uh, was on Facebook. Um, you're not on Facebook. I have not been able to see it on Twitter whatsoever. So okay. it's kind of under the radar right now. But, again, we're going to continue to help promote this. Cool. Uh, last thing that I have, women's soccer has been kind of traveling all over for recruiting, and they just wrapped up uh, the 22nd through the 25th. They were in Seattle, and currently, Coach Roberts is in Manchester, England, looking for talent. Doing the thing, man. Let's, I mean, let's take the, the Chris Grassy blueprint and yeah. uh, apply it to the women's side of things, and Boy, wouldn't that be awesome? You, you follow that blueprint, and now you're housing two national championship programs. That'd be pretty awesome, I must say. But that's pretty cool, man, out, out in uh, England recruiting. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Pretty neat. That's all I got for Around the Herd. Well, I didn't have anything for Around the Herd this week because you pretty much have it all covered. So on that note, let's take advantage of this non-three-hour podcast. And got any parting words before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, I just want to continue to thank everyone that interacts with us, reaches out to us. I had someone tell me that they had not donated to the Big Green or any kind of martial athletics in probably close to 20 years, and they were moved to donate uh, to the baseball field. Now, that was they didn't say it was because of us. We're not taking credit for that. Um, we have had people continue to tell us, hey, my interest in other sports here at Marshall has grown because of you guys. We've had people tell us, hey, I've decided to get season tickets this year. Or I have decided to donate to the Big Green for the first time. It, it means a lot to us that our mission, when we first kind of conceived this podcast, and one of the things that we wanted it to do, it's working. Mm -hmm. And it would not work without all of you guys. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the people that are taking the time to listen to a three-hour, nine-minute episode. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to everyone. But if I can ask for you guys to just continue to do one more thing is push that thanks over and support our sponsors who are making it possible to bring all of this to you. Yeah. Uh, I always like to thank 304carrec.com and especially our fellows, our friends at ignite link for uh, doing what they do for us to help us help the, the herd fan base. This has been a um, really fun show to get off the ground and watch grow and uh, have people interact with the Twitter account, which, by the way, folks, we crossed 600 followers in this short time. Thank you so much. That's that's amazing stuff for me. Um, I, I love interacting with folks on Twitter, and and by and large, if you're, you know, if if you're tagging and getting into a conversation, it's probably me. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, Russ is on there from time to time. But man, I just I I love that space. Uh, he's right. I'm not on Facebook, so I don't really do that kind of thing. Um, what I would ask you to do is if you are still sitting on the fence, still sitting on the fence and just not ready to uh, come down onto the side of uh, buying into what Christian Spears and, and uh, Brad Smith and this new administration is trying to do, uh, 
please revisit that thought process and, and maybe step down to, to the side of the Kelly Greengrass and uh, get behind these things that we're trying to do. Uh, all these guys, all these gals working every single day are trying to push Marshall into the next era of collegiate athletics and differentiate us from where we've been, which is mulling in mediocrity in a um, conference that was going nowhere. I mean, you know, it's not that our sports teams were mulling in mediocrity. It's just like that we weren't going to go anywhere in Conference USA. They were swimming in circles, and we were fortunate enough to get out of that. And by the time we record the next podcast, we won't be in Conference USA anymore. So give them an opportunity to, uh, you know, do these things, like get behind them, support them. It's, it's a lot easier to say – to get excited about being a Marshall fan than to set back. At least for me, it is. I want to be at the forefront of this stuff. I want to get excited about this stuff. I, I love that there are people that we are going to move into a conference with that are excited that Marshall is a part of their conference. You know, it seemed like uh, for a long time when the last round of realignment came and, you know, we got the uh, FAUs and FIUs and that was cool for a hot minute. And then it was like, Marshall was getting all the animosity because they, for whatever reason, didn't really care for the herd. Like we were entitled or something. And I didn't ever get the uh, feeling that that's the way we acted, but others did. Uh, but it's nice to be reunited with some old rivals and rekindle those. Uh, it's a good time to be a herd fan, man. It's really great time to be excited about what's going on. So get off your butt a little bit, join the big green, Make a donation to this uh, Herd Rises campaign. Let's build us a damn baseball stadium. I mean, get pumped up, right? Let's let's freaking go. It's been a long time coming, and uh, now it's here. Like we are literally at the front door, about where about ready to enter the Sun Belt Conference. And um, there's no reason just not to be excited about it. Russ, take us the heck out of here. Until next week. We say it every week. If you see us around Huntington, you see us around the Joan, you see us around the Shoey, you see us around the Cam, maybe you see us over there with Dot Magic. Wherever you see us, you're going to hear us saying, Go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thunderscast. We'll see you next week as Sunbelt members. Later. <laughs>